Coming at you live on Ustream and by podcast at d20radio.com. This is the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by mapsofmastery.com. Lies. Lies. We're not on Ustream. That, are you going to remain like silent or what? Am I being you and you're being me? This is going to be the worst show ever. This is absolutely going to be the worst show ever. Because uh, I'm in beautiful Baltimore. On some kind of headphone thing through my phone with a crappy wireless network in the hotel. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but you're here. It, I am. And this is May the 8th. 2012 and you're back for episode number 156 of the order 66 podcast and i will as quickly as possible turn it over to gm chris and just say hey i'm gm dave <laughs> what is up gamer nation uh, i am gm chris and uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time god help you uh this is the order 66 podcast the original podcast entirely devoted to star wars saga edition role-playing and uh, things are upside down and discombobulated in Camboodle tonight because Dave sounds like he's coming through a tin can, and I'm running production. <laughs> so what's that mean, Dave? It means that we're not going to get yeah. to hear your the, the the sultry baritone that normally is you, and we're going to have missed audio drops and uh, uh, bad sound quality because of me. We're not going to have. I mean, the list is long but distinguished. Well, it was either it was either. And we will have a fun show. And we are going to have a fun show. But it was either this or just not do a show. And, you know, we thought that was kind of crappy. It's been like three weeks since our last show. And we've got another one coming up at ReaperCon. This is true. So. And hopefully we'll get one in before then. Um, but, so, there we are. And, and we're going to get to it. So, uh, you know, with that, what do you say we move into uh, announcements? Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisition. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. going to guess as to when I need to start talking because your audio's in and out like I'm sure I'm in and out but gotta love you know, Skype we have a we haven't featured this uh, podcast in a long time and we'll say that it's been uh, uh geez I don't remember the last time that we pimped out the sultry and half Scottish duo of old school and Shibuta true that together they host the Small But Vicious Podcast, one of the Internet's best sources for Warhammer fantasy RPG goodness. The boys released episode number 53 this week, a jack of all cons. 
and as usual, it's damn funny and damn informative. SPV offers up a double heaping helping of career advice for characters. First, taking a hard look at the guy who knows little about a lot of things, the dilettante. And then we uh, busting into a discussion of the topic. Throw in a dash of uh, listener questions about uh, a way to radically part from the WFRP canon. And, you know, it's quite the rest for a little bit of awesome sauce right there. So give it a listen and uh, find that and more great podcasts. Looking at a couple of new ones at www.radio.com. Wow. That was really broken. <laughs> hey. You know, during the break, we might have you switch to 3G just because it's gonna be probably going to be more stable. You never know. Uh, okay. I don't know. We'll see. Juicy bits of web goodness. Um, we got a lot today. Um, first of all, uh, my, my word, uh, Mr. Sterling Hershey, you never seem to disappoint me. Uh, now, for those of us loyal followers of Sterling Hershey's Star Wars Wednesday's blog, we were in for a treat last week because Sterling cracked his starship design knuckles yet again and regaled us with his stats for the AR-37 Paragon-class light transport, which D20 Radio Junkies will know is the ship on Chris West's off-world docking port map. Um, now, aside from a sweet write-up, Sterling gives us ready-to-play stats for this ship. Good on you, mate. So go check it out right now at www.sterlinghershey.com. And while you all are in the browsing mode, do a good friend of our network a big favor. Now, you guys will recall a few episodes ago, and Dave, you remember this, we, we took the time to pimp out uh, a great new cerebral sci-fi novel uh, written by Order 66 guest and Saga Edition auteur Patrick Stutzman, um, Alone on the Edge, available now on Amazon, by the way. Um, so Patrick is, is really eager to promote his novel and, and you know, to those fans that matter the most to him at this year's Gen Con, as well as prep the sequels. But he's faced with a problem. Lack of funds to get to Gen Con this year. So in ah, a no- yep. Cash is not. <sighs> it is an audacious move he has made. Some would call it bold. Some would call it foolhardy. Some would call it brave. I call it fascinating. Because uh, this, is, this is coming from our territory. We're used to this now, man. Pat has called upon the support of his fans and readers who would like to see him and meet him at Gen Con this year with his very own Kickstarter, Gen Con or Bust. So Pat has a little less than 30 days left to raise about 2200 bucks to get to and get a booth at Gen Con this year um, in the, the Author's Avenue, no less. And we are calling on you, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, to show your support for this man. Donate a buck, donate five, donate ten, a zillion, whatever you can afford. Let's help the Stutz man out and get his game happy ass to the big show. That's what I'm saying. So what, Dave? They can just I, if people want to find out more about this, they can head to Kickstarter, right? Yeah, Gen Con. Gen Con or bust? Or uh, you can even search just for Patrick Stutzman. You know, you can just search for the uh, author guy. Got it. Done, done, wow. done. Very nice. So support Pat. <laughs> support Pat. Give it a go and uh, and check it out. Let's see him at Gen Con this year. Lastly. Oh, hey, Jake Bacon says he's bringing cheese Gen Con. Oh, oh, he's bringing cheese. Jake Bacon's bringing cheese curds to you at Gen Con. Oh, Jake Bacon in the chat right now. Dude, Jake, man, 
Bring me some cheese curds too. I freaking love cheese curds. They're the best things ever. Ah, and now we move on. To... I've altered audio technology. Oh, whoa! You do sound a little better. What did you do? I've decided that uh, I'm going to just pick up the handset and ditch the uh, the headphones. Okay. Well, you're coming in really grainy, but uh, it is better. You're not as you're not as as breaky poppy. You think it might have been the Bluetooth headset? I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Could be. You sound better though. Uh, well, dude, what convention madness, right? Dude, man, tis the season. Tis. Uh, you know what? And I believe that you uh, have to pimp out the very first one. Uh, oh well, okay. Well, there's only one. <laughs> well, I guess we could talk about the second one. Fair enough. I'll let you talk about the second one. Okay, okay, that's true. I didn't even put it on here because it's kind of a no-brainer at this point. <clears throat> but well, yeah. So we we begin our convention madness with what has quickly become my favorite little convention of all time. ReaperCon. ReaperCon 2012 is this month. This month, boys and girls. May 17th through the 20th, right in our neck of the woods, Denton, Texas. This is a great con. I know we, we've talked about this before. We've broadcast live from there twice now. Um, it has It's a family atmosphere. They have events galore. And oh, yes, yes, we will, of course, be there. D20 Radio Army in full presence. Um, we're going to be podcasting live that Sunday. Uh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll also be debuting Edition Wars at ReaperCon. Oh, yeah. The proof copy is in, and we are aching to show it to you. So if you're going to be at ReaperCon, you're going to get a chance to play with myself, Dave, Brev, uh, and well, a bunch of other people. Um, yours truly will also be on hand at ReaperCon to run a traditional saga one-shot of Ghosts of Memory, uh, an adventure I wrote a while back set in the New Republic era. And I'm really excited because Bradshaw, Brev, and I will also be running seven, at least seven, sessions of The Great Hunt, a bounty-style escalating survival encounter uh, where the reward is a big stinking pot of Reaper bucks. Uh, build, it's, it's going to be tight, man. Um, build your character. We have a set of character creation guidelines. Uh, it is going to be extremely difficult to defeat this encounter. If you I mean extremely difficult, we're going to make it a pain in the ass. Um, and then, uh, the thing is if you play it, 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 so any event at ReaperCon, you get Reaper bucks for, for actually attending, right? Uh, 10 bucks per player per hour. So every hour you spend taking a class or visiting an event or playing a game, you're going to get 10 Reaper bucks. Um, so this is a two-hour event. Um, if you fail, however, you are only going to get half your normal reward, 10 Reaper Bucks instead of 20. The remaining Reaper Bucks that you will so not if get... if you get killed in 10 minutes. Yes. If you get killed in 10 minutes, you still get 10 Reaper Bucks. That's a bargain. But the 10, that the, the 10 that you did not get will get thrown into the pot, into the bounty, and it will continually accumulate. And the first group to take out the encounter will get the entire pot split amongst all the players. Um, this is a variation of something uh, DM Tim did uh, from Radio Free Hamlet uh, last year at ReaperCon. Um, and it was it was very fun and successful. Um, and then, of course, it will all start over. But, uh, you know, we got character creation guidelines. There will be an equipment shop on hand. We obviously, with the character creation guidelines, have very limited um, uh uh, equipment selections, but if you want to get some military or illegal hardware, you can buy it 
from the game master before the game starts, but you have to pay for it with your own Reaper bucks. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, <clears throat> so you can head to the forums right now uh, and find the global announcement for ReaperCon, guys, uh, where you can download all the info and the character creation guideline, guidelines on this exciting game I just mentioned. Um, oh, and for you Pathfinder junkies, I just spent all this time talking about Star Wars. There is massive Pathfinder Society games that will be going on on hand. You guys know that Reaper Minis is now the official mini provider for Pathfinder. And oh yeah, the Greg Vaughn will be on hand at the convention running Pathfinder games. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Denton, Texas is not an expensive town. You can get a hotel cheap. Get your ass out here. It's just a weekend. There's no excuse for it. None. None. So, all right, man. Tell us about the big show. Or don't. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's going to be running. Ah, Skype. Skype! You're cutting it out very badly. Could you not even hear what I just said? All I said was, oh, yeah, by the way, there's... And that's it. Well, really, what it was supposed to say was, by the way, Dave's going to be there running Mouse Guard. Oh, oh, <clears throat> that's right. Did you ever get a response back from Brian? No, no but I figured I'm going to show up anyway on Friday. <laughs> Pray for a table? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think you'll manage. I think you'll manage. But it's going to be very, very exciting. It's going to be very, very, very exciting. So uh, mm -hmm. the other the other con that you need to make plans to go see us at is um uh yeah Gen Con yeah it kind of goes without saying exactly um Chris and I will be on hand. Are you planning on doing anything Wednesday night before the con actually opens? Uh, aside from set up the booth, not really. Well, yes, well I mean they're going to kick us out of the this booth set up at 10 p.m., so we'll have plenty of time. True. I'm thinking I'm going to... I'm thinking that uh, Edition Wars or Mouse Guard is in oral. I think that's an excellent, excellent idea. Ah, but it's all good stuff. So, convention's coming, boys. Hope we can see you all at ReaperCon, and if not, you damn sure will get your asses to Gen Con. We'll roll down, we'll throw some dice, and it will be all good. And now, damn Skippy. It is time for this. D20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Ah, yes, D20 Docking Bay time, hosers. This is where we answer all your questions that come in via PM, Skype, voicemail Skype, or um, X Lose a Line, which is now the Geek Line, which is um, not working either. Yeah, defunct. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. I, I have to take a moment. Who's your cell phone carrier? Uh, same as yours. Okay, that would be the AT&T? Yeah. All right, as much as I wag on AT&T, 
it is kind of telling that in between our last segment and this one, Dave switched to his 3G instead of the hotel's Wi-Fi. And you can obviously hear the quality in his voice differential. Um, I'd like to take a moment to say it blows me away that a 3G network is better than your hotel Wi-Fi. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something, there's something, uh, either that or there's just something seriously wrong about Holiday Inn. I can't believe I'm, I am not staying at a Hilton because I am a Hilton guy. Why aren't you at a, why are you at a Holiday Inn? <laughs> because it's right next to the facility that I'm visiting here in Baltimore. And, uh, yeah, there's not a Hilton property close that has a, a rate for the guys that I'm seeing. Wow. Well, it, <clears throat> it happens. It could be worse. It could be much worse. So let's jump into the docking bay, as Dave said, where we answer your questions. Um, and we have only a few tonight. <clears throat> so uh, I, I, I actually intentionally, because I knew Dave was going to be you know, out of town, tried to make this a little bit of a shorter show. So I intentionally only put three questions on the docking bay tonight. But they are good questions. So, so there. Hit us off, dude. What do we got? Ah, uh, yes. So we start tonight with um, a question from Zammer. Oh, God. Here we go. See? Now we're just right back again. <laughs> so Zammer99. <laughs> Zammer99 says, uh, hello. First, please correct me if I'm wrong, but is it not possible? It is not possible to crit with a normal auto fire attack. But is it possible to crit with a burst fire attack since it only attacks one target thanks well dude you uh you do have it right um so in other words <clears throat> it's not possible to crit with a normal auto fire attack but it is possible to crit with a burst fire attack that is correct um for those following along burst fire page 82 of the core rule book is that classic broke tastic feat for the heavy weapons user uh, when making an auto-fire attack, you can choose to attack and target a single foe instead of an area, and doing so still nets you the minus five penalty for an auto-fire, but if you hit, you deal an extra two dice of damage. Of course, most munchkins grab an auto-fire only weapon so they can brace it for the for the burst fire, reducing the penalty to minus two. And dude, you can totally crit on this. Uh, the reason you can't normally crit on an auto-fire attack is clarified in the errata, uh, which clearly states that rolling a natural 20 on an area attack is an automatic hit, but not a critical hit. Uh, and normally, auto-fire is an area attack. That's an important distinction to make. Auto-fire isn't what can't crit. Area attacks are what can't crit. Burst-fire turns auto-fire into a non-area attack. So there you go. Now go paste a Rancor, why don't you? Yeah, please. <laughs> what do we got right, next? So, um, next, we got an uh, email from Marcus Welsh in Columbus, Ohio. And Marcus says this, I've been playing the Old Republic online a lot, and I'm about to start some Star Wars gaming again. So I found Saga Edition and Order 66, and I'm listening a lot and catching up. Dude, I'm sorry for episode one. So maybe you talked about this, but I'm not there yet. Anyway, I'm playing in a game where I want to be a human primitive but humans don't have the primitive thing like Ewoks and Gamorreans do. So I feel like I'm wasting some class heat. My GM basically told me to suck it up because Ewoks and Gamorreans also lose those feats. But they gain something back. Lots of cool species stuff. So I want to propose to my GM that I maybe can gain a 
different class feet, and I'm a soldier, by the way. What should I suggest? I'm not a martial artist, also, so I don't think I'm being broken. My character uses spears and bullets. Thanks. I never listened to you, Marcus. Oh, Marcus, we never listened to you either. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, dude, this is an interesting question. Um, you know, he, he's playing a primitive human. He only uses spears and bows. Doesn't want to go into martial arts. You know, first and foremost, man, I got to say this. Your GM is your GM. Okay, what he says goes. But but if you wanted to make a compelling argument on your behalf, you, you're welcome to try. Normally, I would tell you, as a GM myself, no, <laughs> if you ask me this. Uh, mostly because I think humans are already extremely powerful. Uh, I think they're one of the more powerful species in the game. Um, and being primitive, usually, when, when a player tells me they want to be a primitive... Uh, it usually means I want to be a martial artist, broke-tastic, so, uh, you know, please give me something for free. Um, but, I mean, if, if that's really not your intent, man, and you're making an honest, genuine, role-playing decision here, um, I think you're well within your rights to ask for a boost of some kind to offset that primitive trait. Uh, my recommendation would be to go with the oldies but the goodies uh, that other primitives share, things that they've honed to help them cope. Um, if you wanted to, you know, have be, be, maybe be like a subspecies of human, you know, that you, for whatever reason you're primitive, you've trained your senses in other ways or your your natural instincts in other ways. Um, scent of the Ewok kind is a really good option uh, and and uh, not nonsensical for a, a trained primitive human. Uh, but also, I'm a huge fan of this. Take a look at the Togruta ability of Pack Hunter, uh, page 18, Force Unleashed Campaign Guide. It grants a plus two damage on melee when you're flanking. Um, kind of small benefit, but really fitting for the primitive hunter style, uh, especially if this guy's going to be hurling a, or, or a poking a spear into somebody's back. Um, but I'll tell you, dude, uh, and, and you better tell your GM this, if your character ever goes down the Galaxy at War, martial artist, broken route, I will be stripping that bonus away so damn fast. <laughs> your head will spin, my friend. Yes. So, uh, something to keep in mind. But, you know, hey, talk to your GM about it. If he's set in stone, there's not a whole lot you can do. Suck it up, enjoy your good role-playing choice, and be happy that you're playing a character you're proud to play. All right, but if you think you might be a little malleable to it and you're willing to stay away from the brokenness, I recommend those two species traits maybe as a, as a bonus for your character. It would be very fitting. I think I would give you low light or dark vision because dark cave all your life. Dark vision would be rough. Uh, that would be hard for me to swallow, but I might handle low light. I, I could deal with low light as well. That would be another excellent trade-off. Good suggestion, Dave. Good suggestion. Yep. All right, lastly, we've got uh, an interesting advice-driven question from Admiral Drizzle. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, fishizzle like the zizzle. All right, to paraphrase, I am currently running a Dawn of Defiance campaign. And having some difficulty creating properly challenging combat encounters for my heroic party of seven players. Seven players. Damn. The party does a ton of condition track damage. Bounty hunter with hunter's mark, stealthy gunslinger with debilitating shot and dastardly strike, noble with inspired zeal, and everyone with devastating attack. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to balance boss-style combat encounters with only a few powerful enemies. Is there some existing in-game mechanic I'm missing? 
any useful house rules to ensure encounters with more powerful enemies that are not over in the half round? I don't know, man. Just throw a bunch of things that are lower levels. They can't hit them all. That, 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 you know, you, you, that's the crux, man. When you come down to it, this is a really interesting quandary. I, I think, I think a condition track killer build can be brutal. Um, and if you got a party of them, sheesh. So our forum community, as usual, offered a plethora of good advice. I'm going to echo it. I'm going to add some thoughts of my own. First of all, Dave hit the nail on the head. The main problem from what you're telling me is that it's seven on one. Any GM who's run this system for a bit will tell you half a dozen level sevens can destroy a single CL15 or 16 foe. And that's just an artifact of the system. They can do this just via eight another, okay? Not to mention the kinds of builds these guys have. So that's half your problem right there. Okay, if, if you if you watch the films, Dave, if you watch the Star Wars movies, whenever a big boss fight happened, I mean, did you ever see like seven on one, six on one? Hell, four on one. Almost always, is it one-on-one or two-on-one? No. Yeah, Ben with Vader. Anakin and... then Obi-Wan versus... Uh, Qui-Gon. Oh, yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Th- th- thank you. Uh, Qui-Gon and, and Ben versus Darth Maul. Um, and then Anakin and and and, uh, and Obi-Wan, older Obi-Wan, um, you know, versus Darth Tyrannus. Th- that's it. Yoda Palps. Anakin Ben. Yoda Palps, yeah. You know, that, that, that's it. When a party of heroes in the film steps into it, there's usually a small army fighting against them. The bottom line, Dave's right. You back, your big bad needs some backup. And uh, the kind of backup, though, can make all the difference. I mean, even just a couple toadies with officer levels and share talent indomitable can ruin a condition track killing party's day because all of a sudden your BBEG now has indomitable. Um, so can a, sh- shoot, so can a couple of noble toadies, just with a couple noble levels, and bolster ally. I mean, they can use it on him on their turn, you know, bolster ally, bolster ally, up the condition track, up the condition track. Um, uh, or soldier goons with harm's way, hit the problem off at the source. You know, ah, we hit him, oh, my mook takes the hit, he's dead, okay. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, soldier goons with harm's way. Great choice. Your big bad can also have Indomitable on his own. Shake it off. Equilibrium, another great talent. Also, if he does, uh, if he is a lightsaber force user, bump up his deflect. You can't condition track kill what you can't hit. Also remember, if he has lackeys with deflect, they can spend a force point to use deflect on him without so much as a talent. So in that sense, you know, they actually have some more survivability than your your soldiers with harm's way. Um, and plus, Dave, you're right, man. When you add more foes to fire at the PCs, they're forced to divide their attention. You know, and the BBG can at least the BBEG can at least get a few rounds in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you need to set some traps. Yes. Divide the party, put them all into space. Mole in the space. So, there you go. Um, but a few good suggestions, uh, Drizzle. Um, and it's a good question. Uh, but, you know, one of the things uh, that, that, honestly, Saga it does not have going for it is the ability to have one threat with multiple heroes facing it. Um, other systems handle it a bit better, uh, but, you know, the system, eh, it's not designed for that too well. Um, the closest thing I can recommend, uh, if you really do want to do a solo encounter, is to go take a look at the 20th chapter of the Dawn of Defiance modules and see how the BBEG is run. 
Um, massive spoiler alert. So if you haven't played it yet, just pause your you know podcast or turn it down for the next 10 seconds, 20 seconds. But the big bad evil in that basically, uh, without going into the plot, he's got some type of super force ability, possession by dark force spirits, whatever. But he gets three full sets of actions every single round. Um, so in other words, he acts three times in one round in the initiative order. That goes a long way towards survivability. Um, and it's a wonderful modification that Rodney Thompson created for him in order to allow uh, a party of, of uh, level 20 heroes, ostensibly, or level 19 heroes, to have an, a, an effective threat in him. So find that module, download it, um, <clears throat> just do a Google search for it, you can find it, and uh, take a look at the mechanics there. It might go a little ways towards helping you achieve that goal. So thank you for the questions, guys. Um, greatly appreciated. If you guys have questions, um, as Dave alluded to earlier, you can email them to us. Uh, GM Chris at d20radio.com, GM Dave at d20radio.com. And you can also record some liners, bumpers, or audio questions and get those to us as well. You can also head to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums and simply post your question there. We have a dedicated thread in the Order 66 board specifically devoted to the D20 docking bay. So there. Yeah. How do you like that? What he said. What he said. So we're going to stop down uh, for uh, ultimately about 12 minutes uh, with a couple segments here that we uh, uh, got in. And one we haven't heard from in a couple shows. And uh, the other is um, a follow-up to our last episode show. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, without further ado, we give you this. Species menagerie, horn, tuscan fur. For boys and girls to see the fat raconteurs. Species menagerie, horn, tuscan fur. For boys and girls to see. This one's got moxie, kids. Welcome, Gamer Nation. I'm the Fat Raconteur, and this is my Species Menagerie, where we bring species from around the galaxy and study them mercilessly for your gaming needs. Ever wondered what would happen if whales walked amongst men? Well, someone did, then put them into Star Wars. Today we will be looking into a species I greatly enjoy, the Herglick. While large and physically commanding, there is an undeniable, adorable presence about the Herglick. And if you go onto Wikipedia and look at the fourth picture of the Herglick bodyguard, which can also be found on Galaxy of Intrigue, you'll see what I mean. Tough, but lovable. So, open your Galaxy of Intrigue books to page 15 and let's have a look. Herglicks have a devastating plus 4 strength, but they pay for it with a minus 4 to dexterity. Herglicks are large creatures and suffer the penalty to both reflex and stealth checks. They are very social creatures and that is reflected with a free skill focus and gather information. And to reflect their sturdy build and tough skin, Herglicks also gain additional hit points when they take a second wind, to the tune of 5 plus half their heroic level. Going through these stats, there is one issue that should draw your eye immediately. A minus 4 to dexterity is a huge thing in Star Wars Saga, particularly when your principal defense is based off this ability score, hindered further by the penalty due to being a large creature. It works out to be a permanent minus 3 to your reflex defense. Additionally, don't expect your Herglick to succeed at pilot, acrobatics, or any other dex-based skill, especially stealth, which you will be rolling at an effective minus 7 each time. 
because of this, we here at the Menagerie recommend one feat for all Hergler characters. And that is predictive defense from Galaxy at War. This feat allows you to calculate reflex defense using intelligence instead of dexterity. And with a gentle hand wave, all your staying alive problems go away. There are some typical builds that one can take with this large strength bomb meat shield that also has second wind buffs. Grappler instantly comes to mind. Also, the dual-wielding vibro-axe in each hand herglick might tickle your fancy, but we here at the Species Menagerie want to present a herglick that plays like a herglick. And the more I read about them, the less I think they fit into this brutish mold. There is one attribute about herglicks that keeps drawing my eye. They are thrill-seekers, and the best way they seek thrill is through gambling. The best herglick is the gambling herglick. Now, there are two paths you can walk to get to this gambling feel. Open your books to page 24 of the Rebellion Era Campaign Guide. You will find here the Noble's Gambling Leader Talent Tree. Every single talent in that tree is about taking risks. The best being Luck Favors the Bold, where you gain bonus hit points at the start of your turn if you have line of sight to an enemy and don't have cover from them. On top of these talents, you'll be able to make the quite gregarious Herglick with access to training in the social skills, including gather information. But really, if you want to talk about gambling, you cannot go past Scandrel. I figured the only thing better than a gambling herglick was a lucky one. This path is for the player who wants to take their own risks, rather than the risks set out for you in the gambling leader talents. You want to do crazy things? Things that will make your GM drop his jaw then cry himself to sleep that night after you've ruined his game? If the answer is yes, then the fortune talent tree is for you and your herglick. Knack, Lucky Shot, are staples. Uncanny Luck from Scum and Villainy is an absolute win, allowing you, once per encounter, to turn any roll of 16 or above into a critical hit. That turns your 5% chance of critical hit into 25%. Lucky Stop from KOTOR is also great, allowing you to negate an attack that would otherwise reduce your character to zero hit points. With those powers combined, that is moxie, kids. Just absolute moxie. Those who are thinking of taking their first level in Soldier and picking up Tough as Nails for the extra second wind and then multiclassing into Noble or Scoundrel, well, they're certainly onto a juicy idea. This means you don't need to worry too much about having a semi-decent constitution score just to keep your squishy Noble or Scoundrel alive. Now, a Herglick's best foot forward is their strength, so make sure you get a Vibroax into their hand. Luckily, both Predictive Defense and Weapons Proficiency Advanced Melee Weapons are class bonus feats for both Noble and Scoundrel. And if you want to top it off, Pick up the feat Instinctive Attack from Unknown Regions, which will allow you to re-roll that crucial attack roll you just made. With all these ideas, you should keep your Herglick risky and gambling their personal safety as well as the personal safety of those around them. However, despite all these odds against them, they continue to win through in that classic Han Solo way. Well, that's it for today, folks. Again, if you have any requests, questions, comments, or flattery, send it all in a PM to the Fat Raconteur on D20 Radio's forums. And as we say around here, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. Just, uh, just don't be Gungan. Nice job, TFR. But you did forget the most important and enjoyable thing about playing a herglick. Being able to look an NPC in the face and say, Stick it out your blowhole! Yeah. I said it. Thank you. We're going to move on now to uh, our latest installment uh, from GM Phil uh, and Fragments from the Rim. My lords, welcome to Fragments from the Rim. What is thy bidding, my masters? Welcome back to Fragments from the Rim. 
I'm your host, Darth GM, and today we continue our series on lightsaber forms with Form 5. Form 5 actually incorporates two similar yet distinct lightsaber styles, and today we look at the first one, Gem So. The Form 5 forms were made by Form 3 Soresu Masters, who desired a more aggressive form of lightsaber combat, since the defensive nature of Form 3 often led to prolonged combat, which was dangerous for practitioners. Form 5 evolved into an accepted style by combining the defensive maneuvers of Form 3 with the more aggressive philosophy and tactics of Form 2, Makashi. Form 5 required a higher level of physical strength than the other lightsaber forms. Because of this, it was considered the most physically demanding of all the forms. The form was developed alongside Form 4, Ataru, at the same time when Jedi were increasingly called upon to keep the peace. Some Jedi, noting its dedication to dom domination and strength, felt that Form 5 encouraged an inappropriate focus on controlling one's assailants. Other Jedi were cautiously neutral regarding this form. Nevertheless, the form's proponents maintained that Form 5 was an effective yet powerful tool for the Jedi Order. Form 5 had two distinct variations, Xi'an and Gem So, and most users had a preference for one or the other. A Gem So user can maintain a proper foundation of defense against both ranged and melee attacks by utilizing a combination of blocks and parries. While a Sorisu user stays on the defensive and only counterattacks when necessary, or when an opening appears in his opponent's defense, a Gem So practitioner is not passive. Immediately after defending against an opponent's strike, a Gem So stylist would follow an attack with one of their own, bringing the force of their opponent's own blow against them and seeking to dominate the duel. Gemso placed a heavy focus on brute strength, pure power, with wide, powerful strikes and parries, followed immediately by a counterattack. Unlike Sorisu or Ataru, Gemso required the user not only to counterattack, but also press the assault, combining force-enhanced strength with powerful blade combinations to overpower and overwhelm an opponent's defenses. Gemso's sheer power, when combined with physical and force-imbued strength, was capable of defeating a user of Makashi. That was the case with Anakin Skywalker's final duel with Count Dooku. The Gemso attack stance consisted of holding the lightsaber above the head, angled back and down at an approximately 45 degree angle. This stance readied the user for vicious overhead strikes that would shatter weaker defensive blocks and wear down opponents until they fell to the Gemso duelist's assault. Jedi of large stature often chose this form as their preferred form, because it required less agility than the other forms of lightsaber combat and made use of their natural strength and reach. Notable Gemso users and masters include Ulic Keldroma, Darth Bane, Isla Sakura, and both Anakin Skywalker and his son, Luke Skywalker. With the Gemso lightsaber form talent in the Jedi Knight class, the wielder may spend a force point as a reaction to make an immediate attack against an opponent who hits you in melee combat. With no prerequisites, this is an easy talent to take and one that encapsulates the Gemso style of counterattacks. The characteristic Gemso attack was dubbed the Falling Avalanche, an overhand power blow that crashed down on an opponent with exceptional force. The lightsaber form power of the same name is activated as a standard action and can be used on an opponent within your reach as long as the target is no more than one size category larger than you. If you roll a 15 with your use the force check, you may make a single attack against that enemy and push them one square away from you if your attack deals damage. You then move into a space the enemy just vacated. Neither your movement nor your opponents trigger attacks of opportunity and you can't use this power on a target that is grabbed or grappled. The higher you roll with your use the force check to activate the power, 
the more squares you move your target, up to a four-square maximum. You can spend a force point to knock your opponent prone at the end of its forced movement, something that Luke likely did to Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi. And if you have the Gemso's talent, you gain a temporary force point after successfully activating this power. That force point can only be used to activate the Gemso talent and must be used by the end of the encounter or it is lost. Gemso users also employed a tactic known as the Fluid Riposte, which involved a smooth transition from parrying an attack to a counter-strike. This lightsaber form power is used as a reaction to an opponent's melee attack. If your use the force check equals or exceeds the incoming attack roll, the attack deals half damage on a hit. You can then immediately move to any other square adjacent to your attacker and make a single melee attack with your lightsaber against your opponent. This movement does not provoke attacks of opportunity. You can spend a force point to treat your opponent as flat-footed for the purposes of this lightsaber attack, possibly triggering any sentinel strike talents you have, or at the very least negating your opponent's ability to use block against your attack. As with Falling Avalanche, if you have the Gemso talent, you gain a temporary force point after successfully activating this power. Again, this force point can only be used to activate the Gemso talent, and must be used by the end of the encounter, or it is lost. Gemso emphasizes strength and power, something few other lightsaber styles emphasize. To really capture the abilities of a Gemso student or master, you'll want to look at character options that emphasize this focus. Training and Endurance is a nice flavorful choice to show you have the stamina for prolonged, exhausting combat. Feats like Cleave, Great Cleave, Follow Through, Power Attack, possibly even Bantha Rush, Battering Attack, and Powerful Charge all fit the theme of the fighting style and turn you into a deadly melee fighter who hits like a ton of bricks. Overwhelming Attack and Mighty Swing really capture the opening stance of Gem So, and Assured Attack will help keep the damage curve up. You'll also want to take Weapon Focus so you can pick up Weapon Specialization lightsabers and also Greater Weapon Focus and Weapon Spec lightsabers. Riposte is a great talent, very thematic with Gem So's counterattack abilities. Exposing strikes can help you keep your opponents off balance and unable to block against your any other attacks you launch until the end of your next turn. The Soldier class actually offers a lot for Gem So Masters. Melee Smash isn't a horrible choice, especially if you take Stunning Strike after. Actually, the entire Melee Smash line of Devastating Melee Smash, Unrelenting Assault, and even Experienced Brawler can help a Gem So Master. Devastating Attack is a good solid choice too, just to wear down your opponents and move them down the condition track faster. Dipping into Soldier for Counterpunch could be good, but I advise you to take Melee Defense if you do that, so you can give yourself a small penalty to your attack roll for fighting defensively. The key there is you're looking to make as many counterattacks as possible, not increase your defense. Because of this, you may get more mileage out of picking up several selections of the Fluid Riposte lightsaber power instead. And that's Gem So. Special shout-out to Jonathan Stevens for his assistance in this endeavor. Next time, we'll take a look at the other half of Form 5, Xi'an, and discuss this blaster-turning favorite of players at my table. Until then, Gamer Nation, this is Darth GM wishing you 20 side up, 1 side down. You have been listening to Fragments from the Rim and Transmission. That was a very long segment of Fragments from the Rim. <laughs> Possibly the longest, but chock full of goodness. And I'm pissed off you didn't get to Xi'an, dude. You need to get to Xi'an now. I want to hear about Xi'an. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm yeah, just I mean, saying. Yeah. Of course, you're not saying, but you're just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. It's the way to go. So are we ready to get into the meat of this show, sir? Uh, yes. Yes. Esprit de corps. Fantastic. We need your help. 
You still have much to learn, my young apprentice. Sometimes it takes courage to stick to one's beliefs. I live to serve the Force. That sounded like Jibs on Helium. <laughs> Jibs on Helium. I live to serve the Force. <laughs> oh, we return to our third installment of Service in the Corps. This week we are finally getting back to continue our discussion of the various branches of the Jedi Service Corps, a discussion we began back in episode 151 after receiving the excellent show topic suggestion from our forum regular, Beej, who really wanted us to delve into some in-depth looks into this iconic and often forgotten aspect of the Jedi Order. Now, in episode 151, uh, Dave, we, if you recall, we, we discussed the concept of the Service Corps in general and their history. So, Gamer Nation, you might want to give that episode a, a re-listen, uh, but, you know, but if, you, if you don't recall any of that. Um, and also, if you managed to miss that episode, definitely give it a re-listen. Uh, we also really dug into the soil of the Agricore in that episode, the Agricultural Corps. Now, following that, in episode 152, we expanded our view to, uh, to the healing arts of the, of the Medical Corps. Um, as those two episodes showed us, playing a member of the Service Corps is pretty spiffy. It can open up a whole new avenue of character design and creation for your PCs, one that is rarely considered, and uh, it can provide some of the more meaningful role-playing experiences in the game. Tonight, we're going to crack open the dusty tome on our discussion to the third of the Service Corps branches, the Education Corps. So grab your forbidden holocrons your volumes of forgotten lore, and your haughty sense of academic superiority as we head into the library stacks tonight with the Educor. Really, I just I my knowledge Skype check. <laughs> well, you don't have a skill-focused Skype knowledge, Dave. Uh, we need to uh, we need to do something about that. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our discussion, if we may, on the Educor. Um, talk to me, dude. Um, obviously. In terms of understanding the Jedi Service Corps in general, uh, you know, as we said in episode 151, we gave you guys this this extensive overview of the Jedi Service Corps as a whole, who serves in it, why, and, and their history. Uh, we looked at the Agri Corps, filled with Force users dedicated to using the Force to grow and nurture life, and we looked at the Med Corps, uh, whose members share much of the same philosophies but practice those gifts on living beings. Um, the Educational Corps is also devoted to growth and learning. Uh, nurturing, uh, but 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 really, of the knowledge and, and the mind is kind of their their focus. So let's let's talk about the educational core, man, because because in this episode we're going to focus on creating a character who is a member of the Educor, uh, the smallest and most insulated of the four branches of the Service Corps. The Educor served in the Jedi Temple's library and archives and dedicated themselves to preserving and imparting knowledge. Uh, though they are true academics, the Educorps strongly believes in training its members to be effective instructors and in showing compassion um, and patience for their pupils. Uh, 
So talk to me about some of the trappings of the Educor, man. I mean, what wh- what are we going to what are we going to expect from these guys? Where are they going to be and and what's their place in the galaxy? Well, uh, first of all, you the the uh, you know, everyone knows the Educor's most famous member and that would be uh Master Jones who had a pet Ewok named Indiana. You know, if you guys remember call that. Yes. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Now I'm getting my Lucas. I'm getting my, uh, getting my uh, music mixed up. Always a bad in thing. my head, completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. All right. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all right. So how many times on your uh, on your hands uh, you'll be able to count on your hands? I think um, you would be finding any Educor member outside uh, the primary centers of Jedi knowledge and instruction. Uh, it just won't happen. And the, and the majority of the Educor members lived and worked in the Jedi archives, in the Jedi Temple uh, on Coruscant. Hmm. I mean, so that's where you're going to begin and end, for the most part, with uh, with Educor members. Um, they maintained, they protected um, the most comprehensive and infallible store of knowledge in the galaxy for centuries. And, you know, like the lady said, if the system's not in our archive, it does not exist. Right. Um, you know, despite this, though, you know, Educor members uh, sometimes would and gladly travel abroad to seek new or forgotten knowledge or to simply teach. Uh, Educor schools can be found on countless impoverished or disadvantaged worlds providing free education to all who seek it true that uh yeah dude so when you get into the philosophy of the educor a lot of the members tend to be cut from a very specific cloth with a high degree of intelligence a passion for learning and a studious if uh, somewhat aloof nature <laughs> you know just think but each Educor member devotes their lives to uh, a bunch of core precepts. True. Wouldn't you say? Ab- absolutely. I think um, first and foremost, knowledge, knowledge of the universe and those who dwell in it increases one's understanding of life in the galaxy. Knowledge being paramount there. Um. Uh, as a corollary to that, um, one of the things uh, in, in, in that we have from the EU that we know about them is that well, one of the things said is uh, knowledge is the most powerful force in the galaxy. They believe this. Knowledge is even more powerful than the force for what is the force without knowledge of it. Um, so very, very interesting way of, of, of looking at it. But you can understand, you know, as we talk about each one of these different service corps, you can see why their members may be straying from the main Jedi Order, why they might not have been considered for admission. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because they... Well, t- yeah, I mean, think about... Right? I mean, think about how <clears throat> one of their one of their steps is also the fact that you cannot always rely on the Force to reach one's goal. Right. I mean, would you have ever heard that come out of Yoda's mouth? Not really. I mean, Probably but especially not. when it comes to, to knowledge and teaching, um, they, they really feel like the idea of forcing someone to learn something through the Force violates the basic doctrines of the Jedi Order. 
and especially in the, the the latter years of the Republic, I mean, you know, your, your Jedi your Jedi Order was pretty damn insulated, and a lot of them were, you know, it's it's what is the will of the living force? What is the will of the living force? Follow the will of the living force. Follow the will of the living force. Follow the will of the living force. Follow, 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 follow the <laughs> living force. Um, that's that's kind of where they were and what they are. Uh, but this is a this is a stark departure. Um, for those for those groups of people, um, a lot of them at least. Um, even more so than the Med Corps, uh, you, you're going to find that many members of the Edge Corps aren't aren't actually washouts of the Jedi trials, um, but but tested and conferred Jedi Knights and Masters who claimed the title of Lore Keeper, which was an actual title um, sought after by by those of of that main. Um, they chose to devote their gifts to the preservation of the archives. Um, Jedi lore keepers were highly respected and revered for preserving the knowledge and the traditions of the order. Lore keeper is a true lifetime calling in most cases. You know, unlike the Agricore or um, uh, you know where where you could you could have some people be there for a couple decades and maybe leave, or the Med Corps where you could have a a Jedi Knight or a Master who only serves for a few years and then leaves. That's rarely, if ever, going to happen in the Edge Corps. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a lore keeper, that is your calling. So, I think, you know, summing it up, Dave, what? I, I think if we had to think of defining personality traits uh, for, for this philosophy. What? Stability? Inqui- yeah, inquisitiveness? Stability. Yeah, inquisitiveness would be another one. I mean, that's, I think it goes, I think it goes without saying that any of these Educor members would fear, I guess if, if they succumb to fear, uh, the, the worst fate for them, probably a better word, um, is the loss of knowledge. Mm. I'll buy that. Is that going to influence their, words, the, their passion, I guess, in a sense? Uh, you know, I, I would say that... Uh, they would fight to protect uh, the history and the records that they keep. They, um, they, they. In in my mind, I think they truly believe that the that there is power within the, the data, the knowledge. You know that that's there. That there's there's power there. And then, um, you know, you you couple that with a with a desire to share the knowledge and to know more. And then that kind of gets you into a, way in which you can uh, build that into a character concept that they want to travel. Ah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Very nice. Um, <clears throat> so talk to me about the tools of the trade. Um, so now that we know their philosophies, what, what, what are their, what, what are we going to see these, these types of characters using or, or dressing like? What are they going to have on their person? Oh, okay. So, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of Jedi Knights and Masters are going to be uh, in the Edge Core, but here's one thing: you're not going to find very many lightsabers. Mm. Very traditional in terms of uh, robes, uh, and the more ornate and well pressed, the better, because you know <laughs> they are a little bit roof. You know they're going to uh, yeah. Anyway, they they take their role really seriously. They're gonna um, you know they're going to be as stuffy and arrogant as a Jedi can be. Um, you know, and still be a Jedi. True that. Um, you know, uh, if you if you think of the classic uh, good-hearted but uh, stern librarian, that's kind of where my head goes. 
Um, yeah, you know, looking down, looking down her nose over her half glasses. Pretty much. So, I I think this is this is like role playing fodder. This uh, this I mean, just personally, this is the kind of character I love to play. Um, you know, I I, I said. This, um, go ahead. Sorry, dude. I you know you know what I'm thinking about, and and just because the tone of his voice, although I I, I don't know, you know, I, I I don't know for sure, but I would. So see Elias Windrider doing this. <laughs> I don't know. I can. I, I either either maybe this uh, dash with levels of military engineer. I could see that. <laughs> but yeah, I- I- exactly. So let's get into actually creating a member of the Educor. What does it take to design a character for this career path? What role playing mechanical decisions do you need to make to really flesh this character out? Um. Let's let's start as we normally do. We have with the past couple. Let's let's first now that we've you know we're coming off this discussion of what their philosophy and their 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 tools and trappings are. Let's talk about role playing them first and foremost, because really knowing and following the philosophy of the Educor is going to inform should inform many of your mechanical decisions in character creation. Uh, but you know again, the most important aspect is to play the part, play it well. Um, what what are some what are some big role playing bullets for for an Educor member, man? I mean, what's this character going to play right, so, like? Yeah, so first of all, your your character is either, you know, like we said, either reserved and quiet, you know, the studious librarian type, or you're going to be gregarious and, and very understanding. You know, you're going to be a scholar or, or a teacher. Um, so kind, of a, kind of a dichotomy. Every educate, What's that? I said kind of a dichotomy. You know, I mean, you're going to see those two extremes, I can see. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, every single one of them is going to have elements of both. But I would say that uh, most are going to have a predilection toward one or the other. That makes sense. So, you know, you're going to go one way or the other. But you're not going to be quiet and reserved and not all all of a sudden get all boisterous. I, I don't see that. That makes sense. What else? Yeah. Um, I, you're going to have a passion, uh, a burning passion, really, for knowledge and, and galactic lore. You're going to love to read, share your knowledge with everyone who's willing to listen. Uh, um, you're, you've probably never been in a fight. Uh, you, you may very well get sick at the sight of blood or violence mm. you know that's it's your knowledge your experience is from the records of others you're i mean in a word dude you're a scholar period end of story that's where it begins and where it ends you read a lot anything you can get your hands on medicine science astrogation philosophy economics sociology engineering you know anything you might have a specialty of course but you have a passing knowledge of all fields of academia. I mean, you are Ken Jennings embodied. <laughs> I wonder what Star Sorry. Wars equivalent of Jeopardy is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Ken Jennings. Love it. 
Okay, so th- these are this is these are these are great pieces of advice, man. This this is good snippets to really get the character formed in your mind. But all of this is going to inform the build. So let's let's get into the mechanics. Let's bring the character into the game, um, and and talk f- from that role playing perspective, leading into it from a background perspective. You know, we we talked about in our prior service core episodes. You know, remember, all service core members are excellent candidates for PCs. Because service core members tie up many of the common problems of playing with a Jedi. You know, it, it's it's entirely feasible for you to now be a member of the Jedi Order, but not to have a master. I mean, even as a first or second level character, because, oh, you're just a service core member. Um, for most eras of Star Wars, your presence is easily explained. Even after the Jedi Purge, you're much more likely to be hiding quietly in the galaxy at large than a loud, you know, lightsaber-wielding Jedi Knight. Now, for an EduCore member specifically, though, it is going to be tough, and this is important to note, to figure out a backstory after the Imperial Era. Um, When Luke Skywalker created the New Jedi Order, he actually opted not to rebuild the EduCore. Instead, he he focused its talents and predilections uh, to the Order as a whole, believing that those EduCore precepts should be a part of any Jedi's training and activities. So, you know, it, it, it will be difficult, depending on the area you're playing in, to be a strictly educor or lore master um, character. But, you know, there is that. So let's talk about building the character, man. <clears throat> you know, creating an effective educor member might seem like an odd build. You know, so I'm a scholar. So what? I trade in a whole bunch of knowledge skills? Um, that doesn't seem very flashy. doesn't seem very useful. But as you will see... Uh, this build might very well be the standout choice for many players. Uh, a solid Educore member or lore master can be the single greatest support character your party has ever seen. And if that's your bag, it's mine. <laughs> but if that's your bag too, this is going to be for you. Uh, one of the more intriguing aspects. Like my... I'm sorry. I said it's more like my sack. Oh yeah. Oh, it's not your bag. It's your. It's your sack. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for the vulgar metaphor. I can always count on you, Big D. <laughs> for the vulgar you metaphor. Batman. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So, okay, I, I, I want to point this out. I, I think, you know, as it was going through this build, one of the more intriguing aspects of this character is their force use. A well-made, hell, an exceptional even, Educor member can get by with only a single force training feat, if they have any at all. Honestly, it won't hinder them much to have no force powers whatsoever. And we will see why. Um, very, very interesting. This is one of the few force users that can be an incredible asset to the party and have no force powers in their force suite. And I think, you know, or, or, or just, just two or three. And I think that is a, a very unusual thing, so I'm, I'm kind of anxious to, to, to get into it. Um, so, so first, man, give me, give me the boilerplate. Talk to me about abilities and tactics. All right, so as we um, look at this character, it's important to kind of set the expectations of how they're going to act, what's important to them during an encounter. Mm-hmm. Intelligence is going to be... Uh, your dump stat here. So, uh, uh, oh, oh really? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You're a scholar. Never mind, never mind. Intelligence is your most important ability skill. Uh, your most important ability score, I should say. Sorry. Um, it, 
obviously it doesn't only beef up your knowledge skills, but it lets you train in more skills as well. So right. uh, this, this, this character is going to be all about skill. It's going to be a skill monkey. It really is. Wisdom, charisma, probably close seconds. Um, for some builds, they might be a first. But you know, keep in mind, in combat, your character is most likely uh, going to um, do one thing. Um, fight defensively. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Um, you can't hit anybody worth a damn, and you're going to be a squishy. So... Um, yeah, fight defensively. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's what it is. Um, we'll talk about how to maximize this and really use it. But your main actions when your you know bag of tricks is empty is going to be fighting defensively and aiding another. That's it. That's yeah. it. Bingo. This is true, but you do have quite a bag of tricks. So let's talk about that. Um, ah, yeah. Uh, so character classes. Um, th- this build is is a bit odd in that you you really are, as I said, a character that uses the force rarely. Uh, you use a lightsaber even more rarely, if ever. But some of the best talents you can have are in a class devoted to force use and lightsaber use. <laughs> that would be the Jedi class. Um, the other go-to choice uh, with excellent talent selections for this build is obviously noble. Uh, if you plan on being a teacher, especially uh, with those good communication skills, noble is very wise. You can train early in persuasion. But honestly, a multi-class of noble and Jedi is going to be the best build for you. And you should probably take your first level in noble just to get the massive first level bonuses to train skills, um, which really yep. can't be beat. I mean, you can, I mean, good grief. You're talking that's, that's, Four skill trainings worth of trained skills you're gonna you're gonna get there at first level, um, and and that that's kind of hard to to beat for this particular build. So what about skills, man? Okay, so um, you know what skills? What skills? What skills? What skills? If I've got thirty seven skills to train, and I can go ahead and train them all, but I don't. But uh, you know, if it's not absolutely patently obvious. But by now, your character should be trained in just about every knowledge skill they can be. Knowledge tactics, knowledge galactic lore, knowledge everything. Um, next up is uh, use the force. And followed by, um, let's say, acrobatics. Acrobatics? Yeah. Why? Of course, people would say, why? Why train a guy who's not going to fight in acrobatics? Because it bumps up your plus five from fighting defensively to a plus ten. That's why. Oh. Yes. How about that? (laughs) So perception, persuasion, gather information are other, you know, that should be right behind that. Uh, because several tenets of your role are to educate, communicate, and discover new knowledge. So, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Uh, absolutely. So, <clears throat> what, about, what about feats, GM Chris? Please, please. All right. Well, dude, we got some solid feat choices. You know, uh, the, the last couple cores we talked about, feats were kind of sparse. Um, but we've got some really solid ones that are going to consume the majority of your feat choice career here. Uh, beginning with the obvious, skill training and skill focus. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yes, lightsaber. Um, you should be trained in every knowledge skill possible and focused in as many as you can. When you don't know what feat to take, that should be the feat you take. <laughs> but there's others, too, uh, that can be extremely useful and that you should get. Um, next up, I, I really want to pimp this feat out because I don't think it gets enough, enough love. Very little used. Elder's Knowledge from the Unknown Regions uh, source book. It lets you, it lets you replace um, uh, certain wisdom or wisdom-based skill checks. Or it, it lets you, it lets you, not certain, it lets you replace wisdom checks or wisdom-based skill checks with certain knowledge checks instead, okay? So in other words, you can use your knowledge checks to, you know, instead of a wisdom check or a wisdom-based skill check, such as treat injury, perception, and survival, something you'll probably never otherwise be trained in. Um, <clears throat> so one little feat, and you don't have to train in treat injury. You don't have to train in perception. You'll be able to, to handle that. Um, add in Cut the Red Tape, another great feat, uh, which lets you replace uh, Gather Info with Knowledge Bureaucracy. And you're an hour character whose book knowledge actually replaces real experience. Um, and I, I don't know how often you're going to find that in the game, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, you don't ever find that in real life. <laughs> this is true. But it's not real life! It's Star Wars! Star Wars! Um, other incredibly useful feats, um, it, hey, it was mentioned earlier in the show, we're talking about Herglix, predictive defense. Uh, great feat, probably one of the first ones you should take, especially if you are going to be seeing combat, because you can make dex your dump stat, and with this feat, oh wow, my intelligence bonus now adds to my reflex defense instead of dex. Totally worth it. Wary defender, another great feat if you're going to be fighting defensively, and of course, improved defenses. Um, old standby, plus ones all around. You are a bit squishier than your fellows, thanks to those noble levels, so consider that. Top it off with quick skill, great for your skillful character. Linguist, absolutely perfect for this build, and you can take it multiple times. And lastly, and most importantly, rapport. Never forget the rapport feat. If you have nothing left in your bag of tricks, and you want to use your standard action to aid another, give them a plus four. Why not? Rapport is a fantastic feat. Um, with all that, you are a solid party aider. So it's 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 fantastic. Um, moving into talents, Dave, you know, we, we've got a really good list to choose from here, mostly in the nobles trees, but I think some of the most powerful and flavorful additions are in the Jedi class. T talk to me about the Jedi talents, man. Well, yeah, okay, so here again, you have to remind yourself, you're not a lightsaber combatant or powerful force user, so, you know, you're a teacher. You know, the, the, um, immediately, somebody in the chat room actually mentioned it a little bit earlier as I went, as, a, as I saw it fly by. Um, the consular talent tree is golden for you. Yeah, totally. That's um, what it's made for, man. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Look at adversary lore and no weakness ways to use the force and your knowledge of your foes in a concrete way against them and, and you're using uh, a use the force check you're using the force and you've got no force power yeah. being activated so i, I just I, I i can't get i can't get that out of my head i love that distinction yeah dude so what, what else um okay so take a look at this guy that hardly ever gets taken the skilled advisor oh god yes all right this this was made for Educor Lore Master, dude. Granting 
plus five to another ally's skill check for free. Oh, 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 oh. And plus ten if you use a force point. Jesus. Dude, that's humongous. I mean, if you got a force user in the party, you can as it add to his use the force check. All right. Full round action and a force point to give my buddy a plus ten to his next use the force check. Yeah, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna for, I'm gonna force grip the Sith Lord. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know that's it. So uh, yeah, you're welcome from Rodney Thompson. God, I love it. Um, taking a look at the noble talents, there's a lot to choose from here. Um, a lot. I, I think the inspiration talent tree is very fitting bolstering your allies with tales from the past and, you know, stories, you know, it's almost like bardic, you know, which is really, you know, when you think about it, the lore master, you know, the, the edgy core member, they're really the Star Wars version of bards. Um, you know, it's very flavorful, very fitting. Uh, but the lineage talent yeah. tree, uh, the lineage talent tree, even more so fitting, uh, with the obvious exception of the wealth talent, which really doesn't fit, don't take it. Um, connections, and its subtalents really make sense uh, based on your your knowledge of of galactic events. Um, but honestly, <coughs> excuse me, educated and spontaneous skill, which can be taken multiple times, by the way, that are those are absolutely huge, huge, um, and that's the ability to to treat skills that you're not trained in as if you're trained, um, and you know it's it's totally worthwhile. Lastly. Don't forget this because it's in one of the later books. The entire superior skills talent tree from Galaxy of Intrigue is filled with seven talents that do nothing but make you better at skill checks. Guess what you do? You make skill checks. <laughs> That's the point of your character. So yeah. crack Galaxy of Intrigue. Take a look at the superior skills talent tree. You can make a lore master with nothing but those talents and levels of noble, and you can be a shockingly effective character. Um, All right, so let me, let me go back uh, for a second. And uh, there's a battle raging in the chat room. Okay. That. Um, so if you were to grant a plus 10 bonus to your buddies, use the force check, and then he were to use it, to do a force grip. I believe that the chat room is coming to senses that both would get DSPs. Um, well, you don't get a DSP I'm for sure. using a force grip. It's just how it's used. If I'm force gripping a droidica, have at it. Right, I, right, I would, right. I would never I mean, award a DSP for that. So what if, okay. So what if I gave you a plus 10, use the force check? I didn't know what you were going to use it for, and then you go force lightning somebody. Yeah, see that that that's that's going to come down to to intent. There could be some really sticky situations. In fact, that's that's role playing fodder, Dave. It's one of those things that as a GM, uh, you know, if if a player turned to his his you know Jedi consular buddy, his his Educor lore master, and said, "Oh, I need to." Uh, lift this uh, uh, massive shuttle that's blown up and is blocking all these innocent people from getting out of the room, but I, I'm not strong enough. Please aid me. And you give him the plus 10. And then on his turn, he turns around and uses that plus 10 to force lightning the BBEG instead. Um, I don't know that I'd give the lore master a dark side point for that. <laughs> um, right. 
but maybe I would. I, I, it, it's really going to depend on the circumstances. Um, because as we said before, the dark side doesn't care about your intent. Uh, <laughs> um, now if, yeah. if it was conscionable, you knew what he was going to do. Hell yeah. I'd give you a dark side point for that. You're a contributor, buddy. You are, you are an enabler. <laughs> um, yeah, guess what? The, the guy who drives the car still gets charged with bank robbery. That's correct. You know, I, I was talking to to um, a buddy. I think I was listening to this actually on a, a podcast, talking to uh, a fellow gamer, and he said that um, you know we've talked about different ways to award dark side points, and you know uh, 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 Gary Sarley wrote uh, the Jedi counseling article a while back about some giving you some concrete rules if you really needed them to follow a set of questions you can ask. I, I think I found a better one. Oh yeah, and and we I think we talked about this. Picture in the back of your mind Emperor Palpatine, Darth Sidious, and he's just sitting there staring at everything your party does. If one of your characters does something to make him chuckle, that's dark side point worthy. <laughs> that's funny. So, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, if, if my, my little lore master empowered uh, our, 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 our party force user and then he turned around and force lighting somebody, I think Palps would laugh his ass off over that. So it may very well be dark side point worthy. It's a good question. Nice. <clears throat> so, good, right, so I good. You off, uh, Oh no, dude, that, that, it's, it's a great question. And dude, I'll 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 leave it to you. I, I think um, let, let's let's talk about uh, you know so we've talked about uh, Jedi talents and noble talents. Let's talk about force talents specifically from some of the force talent trees. I mean, what are we what are we seeing there? Well, okay. So, uh, here's something that I absolutely love. I want to bring up the Guardian Spirit Talent Tree from Jedi Academy Trading Manual. Ooh. Uh, specific, the Crucial Advice Talent. Great talent. So, dude, how 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 awesome would it be to role play a Jedi Scholar with a Guardian Ghost or an old librarian? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I'm just saying. I absolutely love it. Um, that's a hoot and a half. Um, I I think the um, the guardian spirit talent tree. Uh, you know, it it takes a while to ramp it up. Um, you know, in our in our home, in our uh, flagship game, Brev Brev had that talent for a while. One of those talents, but he trained out of it at one point. Um, and you know, it was the ghost of his father. You know, who who you know, and it was. It was kind of cool, but crucial advice is, is great to, to get that skillful aid. So that's a good suggestion, man. In terms of prestige class talents, uh, your best choice, honestly, guys, is still going to be following the Jedi path and going Jedi Knight uh, if and when you're able. T to be fair, your role-playing of your character may not allow it if they're not truly a Jedi, if they're stuck in the edge of core and they're not you know, a, a Jedi Knight lore master. Um, not to mention the, the noble dipping... <laughs> It's going to make a plus seven base attack bonus tough to attain, except for much later in your career. But you need to try uh, just so you can get to the Jedi Archivist talent tree, a, a talent tree that was made for Lore Master, literally. Uh, amazing talents like direct, master advisor, scholarly knowledge. They, they epitomize the role of the Lore Master in the Educor. Um, <clears throat> so get there for that reason alone. And while you're there, you best be nabbing force point recovery um, uh, for your force techniques uh, for those empowered, skilled advisor uses. 
and improved Enlighten. And, and we'll, we'll see why as your uh, possibly first or for second force technique. So nice. Yeah. For, for, force, abil- force abilities, right? dude. Hit 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 it up, man. Talk yeah. to me. Talk to me about force abilities, because you know we've we've had some back and forth on this. Yeah. So the you you kind of touched already now on the uh, the one super obvious force power your character has to or probably needs to know. You know, having a couple in their suite, but um, others might be suitable. But it really comes down to enlighten. You just mentioned it. We've. We've ranted and raved about this force power in the past. It's damn near broken as long as you like being the best support character around. Um, This is where you replace a target's attack, a defense score with your use the force check. Epic. That's epic. So you can load up, dude. Your single force training with these things. And your party will absolutely love you. I'm telling you, they will. It's a Dave seal of approval right there. <laughs> it's, it is extremely good, yes. Um, what other fitting force powers, man? I mean, aside from Enlighten, oh. which is the, the obvious choice. I mean... So, you know, I've seen some pretty uh, ingenious use of farcing, um inspire prescience um, um I, that you know that fits the role very well i you know i i what i don't see is a whole lot of force slams and uh, force lightning and and um you know yeah even even you know maybe some defensive talents or sort of defensive powers maybe um you know like force shield maybe negate energy i could see that maybe maybe treat injury a little fitting uh, not treat injury vital transfer excuse me um, <clears throat> yeah, vital transfer. One of the things they're bringing up in the chat um, is, uh, you know, we talked about the force talents. Um, uh, there's a talent that, that Quinlan Voss in the EU has. Uh, it's called psychometry uh, or psychometry, however you want to pronounce it, where you can, you know, it's like object reading. You can you can touch an object and you know and and use the talent and basically gain the past history of the object. And you know, would that be kind of fitting? I when I was doing the notes for this, I actually intentionally did not include that talent because I felt it wasn't fitting for the actual, this is a character who's not going to get knowledge that way. Intentionally. They don't want to get knowledge that way. They want to read it in a book. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, yeah, you could see it, but I thought it would be a bit atypical. Yeah. I'd go with that. There you go. So, you know, bringing it all together, you know, an Educore member striving to become a true lore master, it's just a fun build. I, I absolutely love playing support characters. It's what I like to do. And this one takes the cake. About the only thing it can't do is heal. All right. So it is, it's kind of odd in that respect. Um, you know, maybe you want to train and treat injury or grab a vital transfer. Um, but if the party soldier picks up treat injury, your abilities can suddenly make him the most powerful healer in the sector. At least for, a, you know, a round. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what this build is about. That's what being an Educore member is about. It's about making others better at what they do and who they are. Yeah, that, that's you're, you're devoting yourself to that ideal, you know, of, of preserving knowledge, teaching, and, and, and using that knowledge to expand the minds of others. 
and I don't know, it, it's a very, very fascinating uh, uh, concept. I, I really like it, if you can't tell. Um, and I'm, I'm eager to play one, uh, mostly because I'm just anxious to play a character with Enlighten. I've yet to play a character with Enlighten, and I, you know, I, I can just, yeah. I can just, can you see this going down? It's like you're, you know, you, <clears throat> you roll into combat with your party. Your first standard action is used to fight defensively, and you're trained in acrobatics, oh, by the way, so that's a plus 10. <laughs> You could stand in the middle of combat zone and probably not get hit. Um, hell, if you find cover, that's another plus five. And you just wait with your enlightened force powers, which can be activated as reactions, by the way, waiting to, you know, you know, use your knowledge and your foresight to to yell at a party member to get down, you know, with the vision the force has given you, and so they get down or aid them on their attack roll. You know, you're you're using you know, adversary lore and no weakness to poke holes. You're uh, inspiring your 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 allies. Um, I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm a huge uh, I just I'm a huge fan of the whole concept. I guess. Yeah, there's a um, slight weapons malfunction in there. In the chat room, was talking about um, mind trick role played in such a way that you bury them in facts and BS as opposed to just bending their mind with the force. Very Which, interesting. You know, that's, that's an idea. That's you know? very, I, it's, very interesting. It's cool. But yeah. Yeah. Lore masters making others awesome for six seconds. That's what they do. But six seconds is all you need. At least with me and my wife, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, oh, oh, hey, hey that's it, man. That's it, dude. Oh, so uh, that's going to bring a close to our talk about the Educore and a highly enjoyable talk it has been. Indeed. And that means it's time for Sad Piano. Ah, uh, yes. You got time for a little bit of post? Um, Maybe about five minutes. All right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I just want to I want to thank Beej again for starting this off on the show topic. We have one more show to go on the Service Core. We're going to talk about the Explorer Core, um, <clears throat> uh, which is probably going to attract a lot of player characters. And uh, I, you know we, th- that's coming up on the horizon. We've got a whole bevy of Force traditions left to talk about, and a few other requests lined up in the pipe, especially around uh, servos and circuits. And some unique and custom um, uh, force ideas some players have thrown at us, asking us to talk about. And some advanced bases and battle station unique build requests I've gotten in via email recently. But anything you, you want us to talk about, we want to know about it. Head to the forums, d20radio.com slash forums. Email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. And uh, heck, follow us on Twitter, too. I'm at gmchris. Dave. Uh-huh. So we are we are anxious to know what you want us to talk about. But until then, uh, thank you all for listening and tuning in. We will catch you next time. Uh, I know we're gonna do the live show from uh, from ReaperCon dude, but I you know that's that's over two weeks away. I I'd, I'd kinda like to get a show in, in between if we could, if we have the time. Over two weeks away. Yeah. I'm not I'm 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 not following the math. Oh, but that's all right. <clears throat> Never mind. I guess it's a week and a half away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, okay. Our our next show then will be ReaperCon, um, <laughs> most assuredly, and that is going to be awesome. 
Um, I hope to, I hope I, I know some members of the Gamer Nation are coming out. I hope to see some people. Um, I have no clue if uh, um, uh, some of the folks that I, I I met last year for the first time, some Gamer Nation members are, are coming back out. There were several, but I, I sincerely hope they are. It is. Yep. Show 156, by the way, old school. Thank you. Ah, oh, one, five, six. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep the dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Show. you we're in post show <laughs> all right post show yippee dude there are uh, there are great things afoot in the land of the edition wars um as you mentioned we're gonna be debuting it for the first time actual playing with actual people aside from our playtest group um at ReaperCon. it is uh, it's going to be glorious um I have uh, I have decided to take Friday off to be at ReaperCon, which would be really cool. Um, it's still still fifty fifty as to whether or not I'm going to be there. I've cast on Sunday, but um, the uh, Byron Nelson beckons. But um, we will see how that goes. I'm 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 in negotiations with my wife. <laughs> In negotiations, I know. I, am, I know. I am in negotiation. Basically, it's 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 to the point now where if Tammy and Courtney don't go, then we probably won't go. And um, so now I'm really hoping that Dylan has something really big planned on Sunday, and uh, and they won't go. <laughs> hey man, I mean, you know, I've been to the Byron Nelson. I've I've done the thing. I mean, I you know, it's it's all the cocaine and boob job people that hang around the 18th green anyway. So, you know, it is what it is. Cocaine but, uh, and boob job people. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it, it, it is what it is. And so, uh, I, I don't, I've alluded to this in the past, but I got officially got hired as, uh, I, I, I have a, uh, I have an official Texas high school five, a football job. If you believe it uh, audio i'm assuming yes that would be yep that would be public address for lewisville high school 5a varsity football 
It's awesome. Fighting farmers. The fighting farmers. The gayest freaking mascot. Hey, 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 hey. What's wrong with being gay? There's nothing wrong with being gay except if you're a football player and you have to go under the name Fighting Farmer. I'm shocked. I'm shocked at your prejudiced rhetoric. I would rather be a banana slug. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, do you remember that camp? Okay, do you remember the campaign when uh, the rebels had to change their mascot? Um, yes, yeah, yeah, Admiral Akbar. And they, 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 they want they wanted their they wanted their mascot to be Admiral Akbar. <laughs> I can't even imagine that they, they could never do it, but just, just the copyright behind it, right? Lucas would yeah. never let that happen. But wouldn't that be awesome? I know. I know, dude. That would have been freaking fantastic. It's a trap. It's a trap. Oh. Dude, that would be so awesome to run PA at that football game. And every time <laughs> they ran a, every time they ran, I mean, there is an offensive play called a trap. Wow. And every time, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a blitz. Yeah, I know, dude. That's 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 really really freaking awesome. Um, anyway, um, you know what? Edition War stuff. We've got the purple and bl- and silver dice. I, I I posted those up on Kickstarter uh, the other day. Those that's are the D right. twenty radio Gen Con dice that have come in. Um, expectation is for the green and silver dice that are the G- Gamer Nation Studios dice to show up. Uh, sometime around May 21st, which is uh, about two weeks from now. I, I I would love it if they would show up like right before ReaperCon, so I could show up with both, you know, at yeah. ReaperCon and give a few away. That'd be kind of neat. Um, but still, we'll have the D20 radio dice to give away. At ReaperCon. We'll have at least the D20 radio dice, yeah. Okay, so good. we can give some of those away. But um, the uh, the obvious, the other thing is that the uh, the Gamer Nation dice bags will be in. I just heard from them. They will be in May 30th as well, which leaves the only the only remaining piece of equipment to be shipped to us is the actual box sets well, of Edition Wars. T-shirts. Oh, T-shirts are already in production. T-shirts yeah. are T-shirts are in production. They should be done by May twenty eighth, I think. Is can they, can yeah. people still pre-order them on the website? They can still pre-order them, but I've made an educated guess and printed up fifty seven additional shirts. Okay, in various sizes. May I think I ordered two mediums and five larges, and the rest are all extra large and above. Ah, you know the gamer nation. Yep. So uh, gamer gamer large gamer large zero day. smalls. I mean, yeah, it's it's gamer large. Yeah, that's just the way it is. So if you're, you know, if you have a if you have a big baby or something, you'll have to get him a medium. <laughs> that's a big baby. That is a big baby. That's, that's a big. Yeah. That's a big baby. The ladies are gonna have a baby. But the yeah, the ladies, exactly. the ladies are gonna have a baby. It's gonna be a big baby. Right, I love babies. Uh, you know what I'm dabbling with is the idea that if uh, I and I don't know if, if I'll throw it up on the I'll throw it up on our on our store and see if anybody wants to order um, of uh, D20 Radio polo shirts. You know the ones we were sporting at Gen Con last year. I recall. Yeah, um, you know, if uh, if anybody wants those, they're a little pricey. They run about $35, but um, they're well worth it. They are made out of that cool, you know. Yeah, uh, 
It's like yeah. this slick, sweat sheening material, like wicking material. It's it's yeah. It's like golf shirt style, yeah. but it's cool. Yeah, they're 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 really awesome. Um, I can't wait to get another set for uh, this year's Gen Con. Yes, we will have black and we will have royal blue. Make oh, yes. make mine black. Oh, I like mine black, like my women. Oh God! Soft and black. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. All right, dude. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, man, I cannot wait for the actual game. Um, our proofs are all done, dude. They are done, mm-hmm. done, done. Signed off. Moving forward. We had what three three edits needed to be made in the proof copy? I think we had we had three edits, and then after we all turned in edits, I found another one, um, and. Um, they, that last one got made, uh, on the grognard, not the grognard, the, um, yeah, the grognard. And, um, and then that was it. It was good to go. Does that include the graphical issue? Yes. That included the graphical issue. Oh, good. Yep. Yeah. I sent them a new Photoshop file for that and they were good to go. Okay. That's fantastic, dude. Ah, excitement. Excitement and galore and wonderful things we love. We That's love. right, dude. Somewhere in the neighborhood of July 21st is what we're looking at for Delivery of Edition Wars. Bang. Which gives us a little over three weeks to get the um, the stuff, the swag shipped out to everybody. Yes. Very nice. Yep. So. It's exciting stuff. I know, dude. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yep, so. I uh, can't wait. Awesome. Well, guys, I think I'm going to have to call it. Um, I hope, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, to see you, uh, gosh, in just a week and a half at ReaperCon. Uh, and failing that, I, I hope I get to see a fair plethora of you again at Gen Con this year. You know, we had, the, we had that massive concerted D20 radio presence last year. And it was awesome. Uh, you know, uh, so many of you guys crawled out of the woodwork to come to our little seminar. Um, and this year, we we foregoing the seminar in lieu of just, you know, a booth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just stop by the booth and say hi and get some dice and buy a copy of Edition Wars. Yes. Um, and if you already have a copy of Edition Wars, buy another one. <laughs> it's great for a gift, stocking stuffer, for your pet, your dog. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right, Gamer Nation. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you in, gosh, a week and a half. A week and a half. Good night, Gamer Nation. And good luck.